0: Oh, 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 oh,
1: What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look good today. You know, when we were singing that song, can I just, is it okay if I just sing just a little bit? Because I just, I, I was hoping that they would just start singing, There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of, come on, somebody help me out a little bit. There is power. In the name of Jesus, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. How many of y'all believe that today? Yeah, come on. Awesome. Well, now that you're still here, about four people just left, and uh, that's all right. Y'all didn't know, but when, I start, when we started the church, I used to lead worship. And so everybody said, thank God that doesn't still happen after hearing that. Uh, My name is Troy Maxwell, my wife and I are the senior pastors here, but I want to give it up for your campus pastor, Pastor Aaron and Stephanie. You guys stand up, some of the best campus pastors. We also want to just welcome all of our live streamers. We got Indiana, Virginia, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and Kansas. Give it up for people all over the world that are watching us. So glad that you decided to join us. Don't forget we have a campus anywhere in the city that you can get involved in if you have a friend that maybe lives in another part of Charlotte. They can get connected and be a part of what's going on at Freedom House. Starting a brand new series called Stranger Stories, the Bazaar of the Bible. Looking at the stories of the Bible. I love stories. I, 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 I get fired up about stories. My, my family, we have uh, something that we do all the time, is whenever something unique happens in our life, something strange Something unique. We always say we just made some memories. And I don't know where I picked that up, but we have memories of all kinds of crazy stuff. And I was thinking this week as I was preparing for this that when I was growing up, I would go to my grandparents' house every weekend. I didn't like it um, because, how many know when you go to grandma's house? It wasn't that fun to spend the night for like three nights. And that would happen every single weekend for me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, when I got there, everything changed because Grandma always cooked the right food. Come on, somebody. We always had Saturday morning um, cartoons. How many of y'all remember Saturday morning cartoons? I mean, I mean, real cartoons, not weird ones with sponges wearing underwear. That's just weird, okay? And whatever else is on that program. I mean, those are all weird, pro- I mean, of Roadrunner, Coyote, those are funny cartoons. You're supposed to laugh and enjoy the cartoons and get nothing out of them. That's what they're supposed to be. But anyway, I would go over and when I was like six, seven, eight, nine, ten uh, every night before I would go to bed, my grandfather would tell me bedtime stories. I loved the stories. Oh my goodness! I thought they were so awesome. He would tell me the Three Little Pigs and the Goldilocks and uh, what was the Goldilocks at, and the Three Bears. He would tell me. He would tell me um, uh, the boy who cried wolf. He would tell me uh, all. I mean, just just story after story. And I just tell me another one. Tell me another story. Tell me another story. After about five or six, it's like, oh, right, look, look, Troy, you need to go to sleep. I mean, just one more story. Because I just love stories. And the thing I love about the Bible is the Bible is full of stories, significant stories. And today we're going to look at one specific story that involves handwriting on the wall. That's the title of today's message is handwriting on the wall. It's a, colloquial, a, colloquial, a colloquialism, right, a saying. It's a saying that means when somebody says, the handwriting's on the wall, you better watch out. They gotta pay attention, something's gonna happen in your life, and that's what this whole story is about. And I think we all have stories. How many of y'all have a strange story? Raise your hand if you got a strange story. How many of y'all are a strange story? Raise your hand, point at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me right now, he's talking about me. I got a strange story. I think we're all a little messed up, aren't we? I know. I, I know Stephanie's not messed up, but all the rest of us are messed up. And so uh, the, the unique thing about our story versus Bible stories is the fact that every story in the Bible has the potential to change your life forever. I want to give you a scripture today that to, to start this off. I have somewhere I'm going with this. I want to teach you today. But it starts in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Very important passage of scripture in the light of what we're living in right now. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Every, everybody shout every! Come on, one more time, all together. Say say every, every. one more time. Three's the charm. Every, every. That wasn't very good. We one two three every. Very good. Now that means every means every. It doesn't mean parts. It doesn't mean what fits into my life. It doesn't mean what I like. It doesn't mean as long as it fits in today's culture. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed. Now, the Bible was written by men inspired by God. It wasn't written by men and it's their opinion of God. Let me say that again. Because this is important. Because this is the attack on the Scripture. On the authority of Scripture. And let me tell you something about the authority and the importance of authority of Scripture. Without and authority, your moral compass will get discombobulated. And we all need authority in our life. And one of the most important authorities as a Christian that we can adhere to is the authority of the Word of God. Genesis to Revelation. The entire book is inspired, God-breathed, and useful... One way or another. How? Okay, watch what it says. It says, showing us truth. Showing me truth. Exposing Troy's rebellion. Just put my name in there. Correcting my mistakes. Training us to live God's way. Notice that three-fourths of Scripture are concerning me. Three-fourths of God's breathed Scripture, His inspired Word, His authority is to reveal something in me, to point us to truth. So when it comes to the authority of Scripture, the best place to go to truth, it, for truth, is the Scripture, the Word of God. If you're struggling on wondering what is true and not true, go to the Word of God. Let me say that one more time, because this is important in the life that we're living. 2020 is a unique year, strange year. Okay, so we need to make sure that we have a compass in order to live our lives by. So when you think of every story, every scripture, every jot, every part, every little word, God does not mince his words. He's very specific and we need that authority over our life. Don't just check off what you like and throw away what you don't like when it comes to the Bible. Now, with that being said, Jesus told us in Mark chapter 4, he said, he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables. That's how Jesus would talk, is he would use parables to tell stories. Well, guess what? You have a parable called your life story, and your life story has significance as well, no matter how strange it may be. I know my life story is very strange, very unique, unique to me, and it matters how I share that story. Jesus would use stories in the middle of his teachings. Why Why would he do that? Because it brings simplicity to very complex things. And church, nobody can argue with your story. Nobody can. Nobody can challenge your story. They can say, well, I don't believe it. I'm sorry, bro. I'm here because of that. The reason why this happened they might they might try to argue theolo- theology, they might try to argue doctrine, but when it comes to your life, nobody can argue with your life that 's why it 's so important that we understand that every story has significance. every story, your story has significance, and the point of this entire series is to recognize the significance of every story, and what i 'm going to do is show you how an Old Testament story, a very strange story, has a significant connection to what Jesus wants to do in our life. Because the story of the Bible is very simply, man needs a Savior. And God said, I love you enough, in spite of who you are, what you've done, in spite of your strange, dysfunctional life, I'm going to give you my son to die for you. That is the amazing thing about everything in scripture is that it points to one central truth is that Jesus loves you enough, God loves you enough to die for you. Isn't that amazing? I think that would be a good place to say amen, maybe clap a little bit, thank God because some of us, let's be honest, some of us wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? Some of us would be in jail. Come on, point at your neighbor say, he's probably talking about the people behind us. I was a little nervous sitting in front of him. He looked a little shaky. So let's talk about the Bible for a second. Let's look at a strange story from the book of Daniel. Now, when you're reading the Scripture, especially if you're kind of new to, to the Bible, understand that the Bible is not written in chronological order. Okay, It's not written, you know, start in, Benedict, start in the beginning, Genesis, and then read all the way through Revelation. Matter of fact, if you're kind of new to Christianity, I would suggest that you do not do that because it will mess you up a little bit because there's some strange stuff in there. There's some some weird stories about seas being parted and all kinds of, of just craziness that's in there. What I would suggest that you do is you start in the New Testament. And if you've never read the Bible, never read through it, start in the Gospel of John. Read that three or four times. You say, why do I need it three or four times? Keep reading it, because it's like an onion. It just keeps peeling back. God will just keep revealing different things to you over and over and over again. Stay in the, in the New Testament for a little while before you venture into the Old Testament to understand what's going on, because there's a connection there. But here's the great thing. God gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us. All you got to do is ask for his help, and he'll lead you through it. But it's not chronological. Matter of fact, the Bible is written in parts. There's five basic sections that the Bible is written in. Now, I'm going somewhere, so follow me. The first section is the law section, okay? Another section is history. Now, remember, we started with 2 Timothy 3.16. Every part is God-breathed, every part. So there's law, there's history, there's wisdom, like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, there's poetry, like Psalms and Song of Solomon. And then there's what's called the prophetic section, There's minor and major prophets. Minor prophets would be like Micah and Haggai. Don't ever name your kids those. Haggai, that's not a good name. Um, uh, But then there's the major prophets like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. And there's a book that's right in the middle of the prophetic section that doesn't look all that prophetic. And it's the book of Daniel. However, it's unique to me because... Here's the thing, six chapters of Daniel is history, and six chapters is prophecy. But God decides to put it in the section of the prophetic. Why? Because it's not just six chapters of prophecy and six chapters of history. It's actually one book that is prophetic in nature to all of us. And why am I spending time in the book of Daniel? Because Daniel is a book that I think right now you and I need to spend a lot of time in. Why? Because Daniel is a book that teaches us how to live godly in an ungodly culture. It's a book that teaches us how to live counter culture. And how many know our culture right now is a little off? There's a lot of polarization. There's a lot of junk going on. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus comes back in 2020. Okay, just because... Everything else happened in 2020. Why not Jesus coming back? Now, I'm not saying that like don't quote me and go, well, my pastor said Jesus. I did not say that. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. But it might happen in 2020 because everything else has happened in 2020. So just get ready, get ready, get ready. As T.D. Jakes would say. So Daniel is a book. I would encourage you to read all of it because not only the prophetic part of it, 6 through 12, are important, but 1 through 6, the history is very important as well because it is prophetic in nature to your life. Things like Daniel having to decide to partake of the king's table versus uh, God's table in the sense of whether you should partake of what is happening in culture or disconnect yourself from culture. Or maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My shack, your shack, and a bungalow. Maybe maybe there's idols being erected. There's all kinds of stuff. Maybe Daniel and the lion. All of these are important and prophetic in nature. One particular story happens that we're going to look at in regards to this because what had happened to the Israelites is they had been thrown into slavery for 70 years by the Babylonian culture. They had taken them out of Jerusalem, taken everything out of Jerusalem, removed them, and moved to Babylon. And there was this king by by the name of Nebuchadnezzar who who had had captured all of them. And there were a few people, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, that kind of stood out in this to teach us what it looks like to stand out. And it's not easy, y'all. It's not easy to stand out. And there are some warnings that we have to... Make sure that we understand in order to stand out, to make sure that we're not not becoming a part of the world. Are you following me? So, with that being said, let's look at Daniel chapter 5, and we're going to work through this story. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar had a son named Belshazzar. And here's what happens in this strange story with Belshazzar, or Belshazzar. Shazar, however you want to say it. The king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine. Okay, time out. Stop right here. Everybody look up here for a second. Whenever you see in the Bible where it says they drank wine, is symbolic of them living a carefree life. It means I, 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 don't, I don't care about anything. I can do whatever I want. Laissez-faire. I can, I can live any way I want. I, I don't have to worry about God. I don't have to worry about anything. So whenever you see that, Take note, I'm right, not to really pay attention here because something is about to happen that is going to share and help me understand if maybe my life is becoming out of whack in regards to my relationship with God. So it says, they drank wine in the presence of the of of thousand. By the way, whenever you read Bible, make sure you try to insert yourself in there so you can understand what's going on. While they tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels, which, is, which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple. This is not good, by the way. What, what he had done is taken what was in the temple of God, holy, and brought it out and made it common. He brought Jeru- took it out of Jerusalem that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they're taking something that is very holy, and they're saying, "That's eh, not holy. I can just make it common. I can party with it. I can do whatever I want to with it. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines. They're partying, y'all. Drank from them, and they drank wine. Notice how many times he keeps talking about drinking, drinking. They drank, drank, drank. I mean, they're partying, y'all. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. This is not good. Not good at all. In the same hour, this is where it gets interesting, the fingers of a man's hand, okay, not the hand, but just the fingers of a man's hand appeared, that's what it looks like, did you like my illustration right there, (laughs) I came up with that in between services, very creative, in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand. When I just when I see that, I'm thinking Adam's family, y'all. Just you know that little hand that comes out. What was that called? It, it, yeah, it, appeared, <laughs> and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Okay, this is crazy. What a strange story. They're partying. Mm-chee, 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 mm-chee. And all of a sudden, across from the lampstand is a hand. Adam's family appears and starts writing in the plaster. This is where it gets even nuts. The king's countenance changed, which means he went white as a ghost. The party is shut down. DJ stopped playing. And his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened And his knees knocked against each other. And he just hit the deck, y'all. He fell out. Because that's what happens in the presence of God. God's getting their attention, y'all. He's trying to get their attention. Something's going to happen here. Everything changed. The king cried aloud. Bring the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. I need somebody to help me understand what's going on here. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon. Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation, I'm going to clothe him with purple, Armani, Dolce Gabbana, Louis Vuitton, everything, Gucci. And have a chain of gold, big old fat chain, around his neck. And he shall be the third. I'm going to give him a third of my kingdom. I want to promote this guy. However... All the wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Why? Because only God can read the mysteries of our life. Only God can. Now, this is really important for you and I because we all have a mystery called our destiny that lies within each one of us. All of us do. One of the greatest questions anybody asks is, what is my purpose here? You will never... Find your purpose apart from God. Let me say that again. You will never find your purpose apart from God. you could try. And I've watched it. I've been doing this a long time. 30 years I've been in ministry. I've watched people come and go. I've watched them come. They connect with God. And God is looking for faith and faithfulness. He's He's looking for people who will believe him and that people he can trust in. And faithfulness takes time. And so he's not just going to give you all the mysteries up front if you're not faithful. He wants you to be faithful. He wants to be able to trust you. And every step you take towards him, he takes towards you. Every time you're faithful, he fills you with his wisdom. He gives you the ability to take the next step. And I watch people leave, and they go out, and they try to find it in a job. They try to find it in a relationship. They try to find it in another city. And you'll never find those mysteries. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about because some of you are married to a mystery. I know I am. I know the men in the house can understand. If you're married to a woman, she is mysterious. And only God can unlock that. I know with me, my wife, Penny Maxwell, she's very mysterious. I've been married 28 years. 28 years, I'm still trying to figure stuff out. she say something, I think I know what it means. And God says, that's not what she means. (laughs) She says something else. I think I know what it means. 28 years? Well, the same with us when it comes to our relationship with God. And so Belshazzar says, hey, bring all the people that normally can give me the answer, but they can't give the answer. His wife comes on the scene. This is where it gets really interesting. His wife comes on the scene. And I love Psalms 139. It says, you have searched me, and you know me, God. You're the one who has my answers. And so his wife comes on the scene and says, Hey, I don't know if you remember, but there's this guy by the name of Daniel. And you know, your father gave him a different name, Tazajar or something like that. But he 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 I don't know, he has there's something about him. There's something unique about him. There's something different about him. And whenever your dad had a problem. He would always call on Daniel, and Daniel would know the answer right in that moment. Isn't it interesting that even the ungodly can see when the Spirit of God is on somebody? This happens in our life, right? When when we get into a situation, there's pressure, and people that aren't connected with God look at us, and they go, wow, there is something so different about you. And so his wife... Tells Belshazzar, you need to get Daniel. So here's what happens. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, hey, are you that Daniel who was one of the captives from Judah? Who my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard of you. And I love what he says. And this is how we as the church should be to the world. I have heard of you. That the spirit of God is in you. Let me ask you, do the people around you know that the Spirit of God is in you? Can they see a difference in your life? Because guess what? If you've made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You don't have to be a fearful of anything. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. Look at your neighbor. Point at him and say, the Spirit of God is in you. Just prophesied over him. The Spirit of God. Point at your other neighbor. Say, the Spirit of God is in you. Point at yourself and say, the Spirit of God is in me. We've got to get this, church, that the Spirit of the living God, the same Spirit that raised <laughs> Jesus from the dead, lives on the inside of me. Man, I don't have to be afraid of anything. What comes with it says, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. This is what the church should be to the world. We are to be the Daniel generation to a counterculture world. What does that mean? That means, number one, the Spirit of God is in you. What does that mean? That means light affects darkness. For darkness, exposing deception. So when, when you come into a situation, this is what I've started to pray. When any situation I come into, I'm bringing some light in there. And when I step into that moment, guess what happens? Deception has to be revealed. The truth is there. Not because of Troy, but because of the Spirit of God that's in Troy. So no matter what situation you face, your kids are going crazy, you just walk in the room because light's coming in. Right? Your marriage situation, your house may feel a little dark. Maybe you, I know, I know, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving and the holidays, and some of us got to go some dark places called family. <laughs> but just trust that the Spirit of God is in you. And no matter what they talk about, light comes into that situ- situation. What does light answer? What to look for? What do I need to look for? Secondly, she says, she says understanding is in you, Daniel, for tough questions and problems. Where to find the answer? I'm not the answer. Troy's not the answer, but guess what? I can introduce you to the answer. His name is Jesus. I'm not a destination. I'm just a sign. I'm just a sign on the side of the road that says, just keep going a couple more miles, and you'll meet my friend. His name is Jesus. He died for you. His blood washes you clean, and you can go right to the Father through him. Amen. That's the sign. I'm the sign. I'm not the destination. I'll never be the destination. I can't be the destination. I just point. There he is. I read today, John 15, that Jesus calls me his friend. Isn't that cool? I'm I'm Jesus' friend. Somebody picks on me, my friend's going to come kick their butt. And his name is Jesus. Wisdom. This is what the church is supposed to be. Wisdom for application and practice. How to live this life. Why? By watching you. By seeing you. So here's what the king says to him. He says, now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me and they, they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give me an interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you. Like I, He keeps saying that. I've heard of you. That you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple Armani, Dolce, and Gabbana, Louis Vuitton, and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel's response to him is, I don't want your money. I don't need your stuff. But I want to warn you something, Belshazzar. Now this is where we have to kind of put ourselves in the position of Belshazzar. Because sometimes we just need a warning from God that maybe we're just getting a little too attached to the world. We're getting a little too connected to the culture. We're allowing ourselves to be pulled away from God ever so slightly, just step by step, little by little. This is what I love about God. God always comes in and he warns us He lets us know, hey, hey, man, hey, man, you're straying a little bit. I I, I need to pull you back into the fold. I need to make sure. I know the gate was left open and you kind of walked out. You need to be careful here. Daniel says to Belshazzar, listen, this showed up for you as a warning. This hand is a warning to you. I tried to warn your dad. You may remember Nebuchadnezzar, he went crazy for seven years because he did not heed my warning. He put himself in the position of God and acted like he was God. And I kept telling him over and over again, you need to stop, you need to stop, you need to stop. But he did not listen. Belshazzar, you need to listen. Freedom House, you need to listen up. Here's the warning. Pay attention. Watch it online. Pay attention to what the Word of God says. There's a warning. So he says, instead, you set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. That's trouble, y'all. When you start to independently place yourself above God, you're in trouble. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines, you partied with them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They can't see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life in all your ways. Belshazzar, church, let's be careful. Wake up. The hand appeared for you to pull you back into the fold, to connect you back to God. So Daniel says, here's what he says. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And in the inscription is the warning. And this is the inscription that was written. Now, this is where it gets funny. Okay, in my, I, I think the Bible is hilarious. And sometimes you miss it, y'all. You, you just You got to read it and just go, this is hilarious. This hand shows up. There it is. Writes on the wall, many, many tackle a parson, <laughs> which means absolutely nothing. It's not a language. I think God was in heaven and says, hey, <laughs> this is going to be great, Gabriel. <laughs> what I need you to do is you need you to show up. No, don't even show up. Okay, just your fingers on the wall. You don't even have to be all big and, you know, with your wings and, All that stuff and your sword. How about just your hand (laughs) right on the wall and just write, how about many, many, tackle, parson? That sounds good. Just write that on the wall. Nobody's going to know anything. (laughs) Ha ha ha. This is going to be awesome. Because it's not in a language. Because God is the one that holds the mystery. Now, what's the warning? Daniel breaks it down. What does this mean to us? Okay, so write this down. Here's the warning for you and I. This is the interpretation of each word. So Daniel comes and interprets each word. The first interpretation is many. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. This is the interpretation of many, which is don't forget your days are numbered. What does that mean to you and me? Our time on this planet is limited. Hey, welcome to Freedom House Church. You have a death date. Aren't you encouraged? Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> the pastor's saying, oh, Lord, help us. And now he's telling us, I'm going to die. Yeah, we're all going to die. Now, why, why, is that, why is that so important to you and I? Because every day matters. Every moment matters. Every decision matters. Every choice matters. Every relationship matters. Every place I go matters. A- a- everything that I do matters matters. The way that I talk to my kids matters. The way that I treat my wife, my husband, matters. What I put on social media matters. How I display myself matters. Every day is numbered. James says our, our life is like a mist. It just floats in and floats out. It's gone. Boom. So what does that mean to you? That means that you and I can use that, if it if God sees it as so So limited, I need to make sure that I make the most of that limited moment. I need to look around at my life and make sure I'm making the most of it. I wrote this down. Anytime you think that you have more than you need, you tend to waste it. But if it's limited, you tend to make the most of it. When I was a kid, I used to go trick-or-treating, and I would get the candy. And, you know, I didn't get that much candy growing up because we were pretty poor. And, man, I would make that candy last until February. I'd have my, we, we used back then, we didn't have bags and all that stuff. We had pillowcases. That's how you got candy, y'all, is pillowcases. Not little bags. I'm talking pillowcases. So I'd eat one piece of candy every day. That was my limit. Because I only had a limited amount. And so I need to make the most of every almond joy. Every mounds. Every Hershey bar. Every piece of gum. And people be crazy. They're like, why, is it, why you still got candy? Because I only have a limited amount. We have a limited amount of time on this planet. We have a limited amount of influence on this planet. Let's, not, let's use it wisely. Let's make sure that everything that we're doing is on purpose, intentional. Every word that you say, every relationship is is intentional. I want, I want to I want to be intentional with my influence and my impact. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. Here's the warning. He says he says. And the second thing he says is tekel. You have been weighed in the balances, and found wanting. Here's the warning. Don't forget. Don't let your life get out of balance. Your days are numbered. Make sure you don't let your life get out of balance. What does that mean? That means that we need to prioritize things. I think part of this whole pandemic is God's way of saying, hey, what's important to you? That's, That's what I've learned. Among many things during this entire time, these last six months that we've been in lockdown or whatever you want to call it, I've learned what I I value. What do you value? Because your values determine your choices, your choices determine your behavior. That's the way it works. If you want to change your behavior, you change what you value. What are your values? What's important to you? Where are your priorities? Where are my priorities in life? Are things getting out of balance? Because every yes you give, there has to be a subsequent no on the other side. You can't just keep piling stuff in, keep piling more stuff on. You'll just wear yourself out. You'll end up so busy you won't be able to do anything. Don't let your life get out of balance. One of the best things the enemy can do is distract you with good stuff to get you off God's stuff. Oh, it's good. This is good stuff. But it may not be what God has for you in that moment. Ecclesiastes says it this way. It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. I'd rather just, I'd be focused on what is little right now and have peace of mind than be divided all crazy and jacked up. Here's the third warning. Perez, your kingdom Has been divided. By the way, you said, well, I thought he said a parson. Well, Perez is the singular version of a parson. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Don't ignore the warning signs. Don't ignore them. Jesus said it this way in Luke 21 34. He said, Be careful. Or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. How do I know when I'm not not heeding the warning signs? And if you know what Jesus did all the time, he would say, hey, listen. He that has ears, let him hear. He that has ears, let him hear. He would say it over and over. Hey, listen up. Listen up. How do I know when I'm not listening up? Let me just give you a couple warning signs that I'm I'm not heeding what God is trying to tell me in this moment. The first is that temptation is at an all-time high in your life. When you are facing temptation on a moment-by-moment basis, and maybe you're even succumbing to that temptation, guess what? You're not heeding the warning sign. How else? My emotions are inconsistent. Emotions aren't bad, y'all. Out of control emotions are. Emotions are given to us by God as a thermometer of our soul. They help us to know what's going on inside. They're our soul. God has emotions. You have emotions. And when they start getting all crazy, you start yelling at um, objects, inanimate objects called cars on the highway, which cannot talk back to you, nor do they hear you. And you're you know, giving them the peace and the good luck sign and all that good stuff. Okay, you know your emotions are a little out of whack. Guess what? You're not heeding the warning signs. You know what else? Another reason is less productivity. You're doing more, but you're producing less. Or here's a big one. I can't hear God's voice. Where's God's voice? Maybe you haven't heeded a warning sign. God, God often will not talk until you heeded what he said before. So he's waiting for you to hear the last thing that he said and respond before he's going to give you the next thing. So, where is the connection to Jesus with this? Well, how do we bridge the gap? Because every strange story has a connection to Jesus. I'm almost done. Two times in the Old Testament that you see the finger of God writing. You see it here in Daniel. Where he writes, Men, many, 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 tekel a parson. You know, the other time that you see the finger of God is when Moses goes up on the mountain of Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And the Bible says, as Moses is there, the finger of God comes and writes on the tablets, you shall have no other gods before you. Do not murder. Do not covet. Honor your parents. Well, in the, in the New Testament, we also see the finger of God. And it comes when Jesus is accosted by the religious. And this woman who is caught in the act of adultery is thrown at his feet. And they say, what do you, what do you think you, what should happen to this woman? What do you think should happen to her right now? Because the law says she should be stoned. She should be killed right now. And here's what happens in John 8. You can look at it. This they said testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. And guess how many times he did it? Twice. Everybody's wondering, what what did Jesus write on the ground? Because it doesn't say. Well, maybe. He wrote, number one, you shall have no other gods before you. Number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number ten. Then he gets back up and he looks around. Where are your accusers? And he gets back down on his knees and maybe he writes many, many. Because everybody would know exactly what he's doing. Every religious person. Knowing this was a warning for Belshazzar. Everybody understood Daniel. They read Daniel. They understood the story of Daniel. They respected Daniel. Many, many, Tekel a parson. And then he gets up, and nobody's there except him and this young woman. And he says to her, Where are your accusers? Where's everybody that brought you here? See, remember, every story brings us to the position of redemption. So God says, Listen, I'm going to give you some laws, I'm going to give you some warnings so that when you feel thrown into the position of accusation hopefully you'll land at the feet of Jesus and you can look into those godly eyes and feel the warmth of his mercy and the love of his grace as he says to you neither do I condemn you go And sin no more you're free and guess what happens then I got a story my life has changed for me I grew up a single single mom she sold drugs my dad was an alcoholic he left when I was 14 months old I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about God, had no connection with God. I went to church. Yeah, I went to church. Anybody can do church. Started drinking, started doing drugs, just like the plan of my family. Until one day, I ended up at a party, and this young girl comes in, and she says, Hey, you want to go to church with me? I'm like, I could do church for you. Yeah, definitely do church. And I walked through the doors of a church very like this. And instead of meeting religion, I met Jesus. And he changed my life forever. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go, start Freedom House. Go, preach the gospel in prisons. Go and sin no more. What's your strange story? Where was that intersection with God? I want to challenge you. Okay, here's my challenge over this month. My challenge this month is for you to share your story. Instead of writing stuff all over social media about who needs to be where and what and everything, how about you just share your story, your testimony? How about you do a three to five minute video of how God has changed your life? You say, I'm not on social media. Thank God. That's good. I'm glad. Amen. Don't do it, <laughs> it's a trap. Be warned. Write it out. Write that story out. Now I know everybody's probably not going to do it. But if I can get 25 of you, 100 of you, 1,000 of you to do this, I think of the ripple effect of the many who need to hear the words of God just like you did that said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And let God change your life forever. Would you do that? Would you take take your own story into your own hands and watch what God, I talked to some people in between services and said, I can't wait to do this video. I'm nervous. It's going to be awkward, but I can't wait to share it. I can't wait to write down my testimony of what God has done in my life. Why don't you stand up on your feet? I want to pray for you before we go home today. And share your strange story, your bizarre story. Mine's crazy. Yours is crazy. If you, don't know, if you don't know much about my story, get my book. My story's crazy, y'all. It's nuts, just like yours. We know there's only one angel in here, and that's Stephanie. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for just the redemptive power of your word. God, thank you for loving us enough to send us your son, Jesus. To care for us. To reach down and pick us up when we need to be lifted up. To change us. Father, I pray, God, that you will use every one of these stories in this room. Every one of the stories that are online right now. People watching. God, I pray that we can be like Daniel to bring refreshing and life to a counterculture world, to bring love and hope, deliverance and freedom and grace and mercy to those that need it. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed if you're here today, and maybe today is your intersection with God. Maybe you're just like me, like 30 years ago. I walked into a church, thought I was just gonna hear something. Never realized that I would meet Jesus. He's here today. He's here to save you, reverse everything that you've been through, forgive you, release you. If you're here today, watching right now, if you're you're in this place and maybe you need forgiveness, maybe you kind of strayed away, but now you hear the voice of God saying, I welcome you, son, daughter. I welcome you back. I welcome you. I want to pray for you to rededicate, recommit, or maybe commit for the first time. I'm going to count to three. If you say, that's me, pastor. That's me. I want to make that decision today. I want I want. I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up front. I just want you to raise your hand just so I can see who I'm praying for. You ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. You say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. Let's just pray this out loud. Say this loud, say it strong. Everybody in the place, family of God, let's just say, all will say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and my mistakes. Today, I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead So, I could have eternal life. I will worship you and I will serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.
0: Come on, Freedom House. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.